0: Well, welcome back to Two Pastors and Mike. My name is Corey. And I'm Shanik. And we're so glad that you're joining us. I can't believe it, over the last two weeks, we've had the most listens to ever in the history of our podcast. So thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Thank you for sharing. And if you haven't shared on your socials, we'd appreciate it. Send a message to your friends. Hey, listen to this podcast. I think you'd enjoy it. That's redundant, but
1: it is what it is. We appreciate it all. I, I do appreciate it. Also, those of you watching on... YouTube, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. And it's crazy that you said over the last two weeks, we've had the most listens ever. I'm like, who in the world is continuing to listen? Uh, it's crazy. But you even told me like we're up to like 11% of our audience is listening from Europe. Hey, what up Europe? Yeah. So if you're listening from anywhere in Europe, we are so appreciative of you. Thank you so much for, for joining yeah. us.
0: And if you're listening to us near the Netherlands. I will be there in three weeks. I'll be all over the country teaching some things with Peter. Big shout out to Peter. We know you listen to it every week. I can't wait to be with you guys. So I'm excited.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. That's awesome. So question of the week this week is what do you find inspiring now? Right now? The re- the right now. The reason for this question is it's football season. It is. Sports are in full swing. We love this time of year. And our backgrounds are in sports, so we love sports and everything involved with it. So right now, beginning of NFL and college, what is inspiring to you? Well, not my fantasy football team, for sure. <laughs> oh, although Don't get me started. I already oh my love gosh. my team and hate my team, and it's only oh. been
0: week one. So I am inspired by my Detroit Lions, baby. We went and shocked the world Thursday night last week. Everybody had us picked as losing to the defending Super Bowl champs, and yep. we went into Arrowhead and we shocked the world and one of my favorite things was after the game they they were interviewing Dan Campbell who's the head coach and they I can't remember what the question was but it was sometimes like are you shocked that you guys came in here and won he said his yeah, answer how surprised are you how surprised that you won? yeah i can't remember what the question was but his answer i remember he goes we expected to win we came in here expecting I to leave that. with a w and i was like yeah and if you know anything about Dan Campbell, which mo- most people don't because they're not Detroit Lions fans. You have to be faithful to be a Detroit Lions fan. This is the most expectation I've ever had in the history of my life being a Detroit Lions fan. On paper, we have a very good yeah, team. So yeah. the
1: expectations are high. Yeah, you've told me that, that your expectations are high for the season. And I'm curious, though, has Detroit ever won a playoff game in uh, your lifetime? I
0: don't think you don't know? they've been to one playoff game in my okay. lifetime. Okay. Well, more than that, one playoff game since I've been really following over right. the last, you know. 10, 15 gotcha. years, before the Barry Sanders era. I the, I'm sure they won a playoff game with Barry Sanders, but yeah, I, don't I don't know. I couldn't tell you. That's <laughs> bad knowledge. But Dan Campbell, if you haven't watched the Hard Knocks and you like that type of behind-the-scenes, he's just an awesome guy to follow because they follow the Detroit Lions behind the scenes, and he's just inspiring. He's like, if you don't believe, then catch my belief. I'll make you believe. And I'm just, I am just, I love that type of coaching.
1: Yeah, I, really I do, do love that. Yeah, catch our belief mm-hmm. if you don't have it. Speaking of belief. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, speaking of belief, so – What's been inspiring to me is Deion Sanders. Primetime, baby. Out of Colorado Same. University. It is so crazy what they're doing right now, and I freaking love it. And just, <laughs> just him and his attitude and his aura and what he brings, it's so amazing. But uh, there's this video out about the pregame speech from the first weekend, mm-hmm. right before that. And all, like, summer long, he's talking about how, hey, we coming, we coming, like, people better – be prepared because they're going to be legit everybody kind of dismissed him but right for that game he has this speech that is just so inspiring and then he says we ain't coming no more we and then he stops and his team is like we here yeah we here and they're just going crazy and I'm just like oh my gosh it's been so hype and I love it so much and people of course are so creative on the internet I don't know how they find the time to do all this stuff but they put this music in the background before it gets to his theme music when he asked for it and it is so uplifting and inspiring. So uh, every morning I take my son Jude to school and uh, I've been playing it for him. And like the <laughs> three or four it. minute car ride it takes to get there. We're we playing here. it. And I'm like, we here. We ain't coming you to know? school no more. We <laughs> here. <laughs>
0: hey, yeah. those speeches make me want to go. I've never played football in my life. I'll go to Colorado and suit up yeah. right yeah. now. I'll and break then my- this
1: this past week leading up to game two, <laughs> it's been released all these videos about how this week it was all about. It's personal. It's this personal. is personal. I know. I've seen those videos. And, uh, it's like. Gosh, this is so inspiring. I freaking love it.
0: Let's I just freaking love it. Do you
1: want to go try out? <laughs> I, I swear. I would like, yeah, just go out there and put my body on the line and just, yeah, not be able to walk for a month. Just... For one play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Torn for ACL. one practice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I oh. can't
0: play football. Well, we've been in a series talking about sevens. Uh, last week we did the seven. What did we do last week? I can't even
1: remember. Seven deadly shoulds. Oh my gosh. And
0: yeah, I should have remembered that because Of all the episodes, that was kind of, for me, it was informative, but I got a lot of text messages saying how encouraging that was. And so thank you again, for those of you that reach out, that enjoy what we have to offer. We're going to be talking today about the seven tensions in leadership. And we wanted to kind of swing the the focus into leadership over the next couple of weeks we're gonna we are going to be talking about some leadership things because we're all in leadership whether you own a company or not whether you're a parent or not you have some area of influence in leadership whether you're just leading yourself and so these are tensions that in my opinion we all live with especially us here in the church and yeah. again any any type of leadership that you're in you have these tensions
1: right and I came up with these tensions it was yep. probably four or five years ago right before COVID. And I came up with them to take our small group leaders through because I wanted them to know that you're going to have to um, get used to living in this tension, leading people, because people, you know, will sometimes show up and then sometimes not. People will follow through with what they say. Sometimes they won't. And there's all kinds of tensions as a leader you got to learn to live in. So we're going to jump in right now, seven tensions in leadership. I'll take odds, you take even, and we'll kind of go back and forth with this. But the first tension that we live in, in leadership is the tension between excellence versus development, Mm -hmm. excellence versus development. And this is a tension that I love talking about as a leader, because it's one of the things that I really have to um, put into practice in my own life, because I do want everything that I'm a part of to be done in excellence. But what I realized is things getting done in excellence, I was having to do most of those things. Um, I've had the experience in it. I've had the time put in. I've had the knowledge or whatever. So I would take on a lot, but I know me doing it and getting it done that it would get done in excellence. Well, if I'm doing it all, that doesn't leave a lot of room for other people to step in and develop so that they're able to do what I do. Now, a part of this is because I you know, have that thing that I'm Um, I've been struggling with it. I've mentioned it on this podcast in imposter syndrome, where I kind of love to be looked at as a Superman that can do it all and do it well. But I realized that's not building a healthy team. That's not creating a healthy culture. And so I had to get to a place where I live in this tension. Okay. Yes, I want things to be done in excellence, but I also have to offer development for people, even if it isn't done in excellence, or even if sometimes people fail in what I give them to do. I need to allow that process so that people on the team and people that I'm leading can develop so that they themselves can be incredible leaders. So this is this tension that you'll have to navigate. There will be times where, hey, this is one of those things that I need to step in. I need to do or I need to delegate it to one specific person I know will get it done in excellence or, hey, these are the times and these are the the opportunities I'm going to give to others. So that they can develop, and you'll have to live in that tension, knowing when to do it and when to not. And yep. this is a tough tension yep. to navigate, especially in the church world, um, you know, because a lot of what is visible and what is seen to people or through the community is just our Sunday morning services, right? And so, like ten percent of what we do, <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? That's just a part; it's not the pinnacle, but it's what's seen and most visible. And so, okay, there's an element of hey, this has to be done in. Excellence. But if you're not allowing other people opportunity on your team or people in a congregation to step up and to be a part of it, how are they ever going to develop? Right. And and it's one of those tensions, especially around like preaching and teaching. You know, you have, you know, one or two people that normally preach and teach in a church community, but there could be a lot more. They've just never had the opportunity to develop. And here we only have Sunday morning services. There's not other you know, Sunday night or Wednesday night or other real teaching, preaching opportunities. Um, And so, but I just made it a point in the very beginning that it's not going to be one man and a mic. I've developed a team, Mm -hmm. even if at times people weren't as good as a communicator or would have done it in excellence. Like I know I could have done it, um, but I gave everybody those opportunities and gave a plethora of people. And we have a healthy team of like five or six plus now of people that can step on stage, have full confidence because I've continued to give them opportunity to develop and they have more than met my expectation. They've exceeded it. Mm -hmm. And now a a lot of people, and I would say even including yourself, have become better communicators and do it in a more excellent way than even I can do it, which I love. Now, I'm not saying I'm not a good communicator. My focus, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) My focus, though, is on other areas. Like, it's not something that I like. Not that I don't care about
0: it. You just don't enjoy it. I just don't
1: have a focus on it that much because I'd rather be doing other things in the community and in the church world. Which you're really good at. Yeah. Yeah, So, for sure. So, anyway, there's this tension.
0: As the leader, you'll have to live in this tension, even in the world of, okay, if you don't provide people opportunities to develop, you could be looked at as that jerk. And then if yeah, there's a control standard, freak a control freak, and then on the other flip side of that is if you do give people a development, but you're just a jerk in how you develop because you have the unrealistic expectation. And usually that's around time as you expect certain people to develop quicker because you might have developed quicker and then you want them to be excellent in the spotlight within a month or six months or whatever. And it's just not a fair expectation to have on people. You're also going to not really be developing people. So as the leader, you'll have to live in this tension. But you also have to live like in this tension personally. You'll have to have to, you also have to live in that tension with how you develop and making sure you're not pushing people quicker because your expectation is unrealistic. Yeah, so, love that. What's the the second one? one is this: is focused versus flexible. Now, this could be in terms of curriculum, things that you're teaching. It can be a program. It can be a Sunday morning. It can be for the church setting. It can be how you develop. Um, your team in your workspace with your kids. With it could be parenting. <laughs> this is yes. it could be your family plan. Especially. It could be your program within your work uh, area. Again, you have to be flexible. Now, I do believe in being focused and having a plan, but those plans rarely happen exactly like we expect them to. In fact, my youth pastor, growing up, Jack Janigian, big shout out. Whenever we would go on mission trips. He would, the first session, he'd be like, all right, everybody has a new middle name and your middle name is flexible. And then just like Deion Sanders, we would repeat it over and over again because he wanted people to understand, yes, we have a plan for the week. We're going to do this project. We're going to build these homes, but things are going to happen That are going to jack up our plan and you have to be flexible and you can't let it shake your attitude because we're here to serve and i've kind of adopted adapted that mentality even with i I told harrison right before he pressed record i said hey what's your middle name and he told you flexible flexible because this is what i teach people especially even in the student ministry world is we have a plan for the evening but it never goes according to plan so be flexible and this is even true specifically when you're teaching either a curriculum or a program is if the conversation gets off topic or goes in an opposite direction you have to be okay with that if it's going to be helpful with the people. And so being flexible is that tension that you, in my opinion, is one of the most important tensions to live in, in leadership, so that you're not dogmatic and you allow the conversation to flow or you allow people to do things differently than you would.
1: Yeah. And I know this is something, again, I struggle with. I love developing a plan. And when that thing doesn't go according to the plan, which it never does. Yeah. Like I get frustrated and, I'm not very flexible. So this is an area that I need to grow in, in that tension. Number three, uh, the third tension in leadership is growth versus grace. Now, for me, um, I always tend to err on the side of grace, um, but doing so sometimes is detrimental to the growth of people. And you have to sit in this tension between the two. And I'm going to focus not so much on the grace side but on calling out the growth side in people. And it's a it's a term we actually learned over the last few years. It's called fragilize. Mm-hmm. Now, when you oh, fragilize yeah. someone, it means that you're treating them like they're very fragile or that they're gonna fall apart or they're gonna crumble if you were to confront or address something or to be stern or whatever. So then you don't, you shy away. You don't confront. You just let them keep failing or you let them keep not performing the way you need them to or you know the way you know they could perform. So it's called fragilizing them. Mm. And it's something you do not want to do. There are times to see growth in people. You need to set a standard. You need to call them out when they don't meet that standard. You need to be able to have those, you know, confrontational conversations. Now I'm throwing this out there and I'm being confident in it. Like I do this, but I don't, (laughs) (laughs) um, you do, you've done better. Yeah. Well, I have gotten better in it for sure, but I still have a long way to grow in it. Um, like I said earlier, I do always just tend to err on the side of grace, but not addressing someone's lack of growth is that really showing grace or not? Yeah, it's. Not. I'm not thinking it is, yeah. and so for me, I got to navigate and live in that tension. Okay, again, all this comes back to conversation too. Continual conversation with the people you're leading, because they might be going through something. There might be external factors you don't know about. So whenever you stay in tune with that and have those conversations, maybe you are more adept to offer grace in those areas um, where you need to, but then also knowing when to call someone out as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. And speaking of that growth versus grace, as the leader, uh, you have to also recognize that there are some people that just don't want to grow and you've been giving grace and you've been challenging and they just don't want to grow. And it's that famous phrase, you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make it you can't make them drink. And so you have to be adapt to your team and involved in your team to recognize, okay, this not, this isn't even a growth or a grace tension. I just need to move on. Like you said, I need to have a confrontational conversation. It's just not working out. And that's overall, that will help the growth of your company. And that is being gracious because you're yeah. not fragile, fragilizing yeah. and that. And it'll help
1: them grow too. because maybe it'll be a wake-up call they need. Yeah. So, For sure. The fourth, form one,
0: form? fourth one is specifics versus styles. And again, this is as the leader, being in tune to your team's personalities. I know we talked about it a couple weeks is taking personality tests. We really encourage that. We've done the DISC profile, which you got angry about over the last oh, couple of yeah. weeks because you found out you were different. You changed. Yeah, I changed which is good, somehow. <laughs> which is good. You didn't change somehow. You changed because you're growing. Yeah, Hello, somebody. Okay. But also like the Enneagram, <laughs> understanding how people develop in whatever area you have, you oversee them in, yeah. you have to understand you might like it a specific way. And if you want that specific task to be done a specific way, you have to communicate that. But I also understand is some people will do things different according to their style. And oftentimes when they're like really good people in terms of like development and they provide really good things, they do it better than I could do it. It just looked drastically different. different and, yeah. it, and during the process, I'm like, oh, and this is, this is not going to be great. This is, I, and then bam. And it's like, wow, I would have gone about it so much differently, but you did it better. And so understanding the difference between specifics and styles, yeah. because people learn different than us. You know, I have to visually see something to learn. That's why I always sat in the front row of school. I was talking about this with my wife last night. It's like, As a student, I was very diligent. I know it, I, I'm pretty crazy, but I liked to learn. I have to be able to visually see it. And so you can change the setting and the way that you do the group each time. It doesn't always have to look exactly how, you know. I'm I'm leading this class in October, the the class in the spring, based on the class in October. I could do things a little bit different because something things didn't work, and I have to be a flexible with that. Or maybe not teach something I'm really passionate about because it didn't land.
1: Yeah. You know, or you're going to have a whole new set of people and you're going to have to learn their style because what didn't work the first week, and then you're going to change it all up for the next one. Maybe it would have worked better to keep it the same. <laughs> There's that tension. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a the good tension. perspective. <laughs> it is the tension. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know for me uh, at leading, you can have, this is how I like to differentiate this specifics versus styles. You can have say a job description, but how people approach getting that task done and that job description yeah. done might look a little bit different what you were saying. And so just to live in that tension to, to be okay with that. Um The fifth uh, tension and leadership is persistence versus patient patience. We want people to um, be consistent and persistent on whatever it is that they're doing. But again, this goes back to I feel like a lot of these go back to the first one excellence yeah, versus development, especially this one, but allowing patience in the process. Um, really, really is key. And again, it goes back to knowing all the things before the style or what specific offering grace or when to grow. But that's this same kind of thing, um, just in a little bit different area, because what we're talking about is um, really timelines with this because two people might not be on the same learning curve with things and they might still be an incredible employee. Or once they catch up, maybe they'll go beyond some of our current people in our teams or the people that were leading, but we didn't allow them patience to get there. And so again, That's it's good. setting in that persistence versus patience, um, like dichotomy and, yeah. and being okay with that and figuring out when to step in and push or when to step in and offer patience. Yeah.
0: And in our specific setting specifically around the conversation of theology, this is a tension we've had to live in is, okay, am I going to be persistent about this specific hill? I'm going to die on this hill. And which hills do I need to be a little bit more patient? And one of the best leadership principles we learned several years ago was learning to turn the ship slow enough so people don't fall off. Because we might have had this revelation for five years and debated yeah. it, talked about yeah. it, struggled with it. And then we present it to the church and they're just not yet ready for it. And we're like, we're going to die on this hill. And then all of a sudden, you know, you've lost half your church because they weren't ready to have that conversation. And so I think that tension of learning to, to turn the ship slow enough so people don't fall off is how, how do you slowly bring these conversations up? So people aren't startled based on where you are theologically in certain conversations. And I think that's really good intention to live in, but it's, you have to be careful and you have to really think, okay, am I going to die on this hill or am I not? And what is worth it? And how then do I steer the conversation slowly so that people are open to the conversation and open to the relationship and open to where you're at and where you landed on certain topics. Yeah, that's good. So the sixth one is tactical versus strategical. And I actually had to look this up. I thought it was very interesting because I thought, I thought they're very similar, but the strategy is the plan of where you want to go. The tactics are the individual st- steps and actions that actually get you there. And I think the perfect illustration is Ocean's Eleven, the movie. Oh, yeah. They have this strategy on how they're going to rob the casino. But then the whole movie is about how none of the strategies work out according to plan, and they all have to use tactics individually. Now, the end goal was the same. They still robbed the casino, and it's a very entertaining movie. But the tactics all work changed throughout the movie. And it was very interesting. And I think that's really a great illustration of our lives is you can have a strategy for your company. You can have a strategy for your life. You can have a strategy for your parenting, but what are the individual steps, the tactics that you're going to use when you wake up and your kids are driving you insane and you said you weren't going to give them screens. And all of a sudden they've had three hours of screens on the day. That happened yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's hilarious.
1: I know for me in this tactical versus strategical, it's like there's two types of leaders. Either you're like this big visionary type person that likes to cast it out, but you don't necessarily take the steps or the time to walk through to get there. Or you're a leader that, hey, give me the big task, tell me what it is, and I'll figure out all these little steps to get there. Um, I tend to find myself in that second category. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not a big vision, big vision caster, anything like that. Um, But give me what it is you want accomplished, and then I'll set the tactics up to get there. And I love getting stuff done. Right, everybody around here, I think, knows me and calls me GSD. I've said stuff like that before, and you're like, no one calls you that, but people do call me Mr. GSD. Um, I hold on, stuff I'm, I done. need to
0: confront you for a second. You just said you're not a visionary, but you just laid out one of the greatest visions of Hillsley Church in the history of the 40 years. Well, and
1: I'm getting there. Hold on, hold on, I'm getting there. Did I just screw you, up your punchline? Well, yeah, you you just well like, you said it, and I wanted bit. to confront well, it because I'm I, I am that second person. And I like to take the steps. But this tension that I've been living in is as a lead pastor, I have to start casting more vision. And so recently I've done that with this um, re-initiative, what we're going to be doing. Now I'm starting off even maybe a little bit small, more than what you were thinking, but hey, let's do a home a year the next three years and maybe a multifamily unit year four, maybe we'll build our own year five. But you're thinking, oh, I I mean, this is great for now, but I'm seeing like 10 years down the road and 10, 20 houses and all this stuff. And, th- and that's great. But now I'm living in the tension of both. And I think that that's what I mean by this is you have to be someone who can, as a leader, have some big picture vision, but also be willing to get into the tactical stuff to start walking it out to get there. Because I do know a couple people uh, in my life specifically that are big vision kind of guys. They see things. They see things in the spirit, if you mm-hmm. will. Um, they see how things are going to be accomplished or how things should be, but then they have no... Um, I guess, realness them. to get people on board and the steps and the patience yep. to walk through the day-to-day, the tactical stuff to get, you know, to move the strategy along yep. to get there. And before, so Before you go one. to
0: number seven, th- what you're talking about is the six types of working genius, which I can't remember what the, I, I don't think we've done an episode on this. I know we've mentioned it. I think episode 57 in knowing your saboteurs is, uh,
1: do you remember who created I don't.
0: Lencioni, I think that is what that sounds said.
1: that sounds familiar.
0: Patrick Lencioni, I think six types of working genius. It's a really cool thing. Yeah, he talks about this idea that everybody has a working genius and it's different, but you need all six in the room to thrive as a leadership. Yeah. So you should look that up. Maybe we'll do a whole episode on that in the future. But yeah. I think and we'll what you're come up with about...
1: one and add it to our seven series. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> oh out. yeah, because it is. Six. Yeah. So here's the seventh and final tension in leadership that we have. It's the tension between vulnerability versus transparency. And we've talked about this several times on this podcast, what the difference is, but just real quick, a reminder in transparency, you allow people to see what you want them to see. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy to maybe open up and be transparent, but only to a certain limit. And we put it under the guise of, Hey, I'm just being so transparent with you right now. And we say something, but it's only what we want them to see. Maybe not the full story, whereas vulnerable, you're sharing all of you, all the story, all the details and you're allowing yourself to be put in a position um, that is that feels vulnerable. Yeah. Um, uh, because it's not necessarily after the fact. Hey, I've went through all this. Now let me be transparent with with what I went through years ago. No, it's hey, I'm in the middle of it now. Yeah. This is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm dealing with. You know. Will you still accept me? I'm, you know. I'm glad you said that because you actually this tension came about because you
0: confronted me. A- as communicators, I can tell you. A story and being transparent is good. It still draws people in, but I was saying that I was being vulnerable and you're like, no, that's not vulnerability because you've already overcome that issue. That's just being transparent vulnerability. So transparency would be like, yeah, I used to struggle with porn. No vulnerability would be like, Hey, I actually am still struggling with porn and I need some help. And that's the different there. And I think it's beautiful on yes. Transparency is being good, but you got to find your safe people uh, that you're only, we're not saying be vulnerable with everybody.
1: Yeah. That's why this is a tension. Yeah vulnerability versus transparency because you can't just be vulnerable with every single person right now it will draw people in it won't push people away and I know Brene Brown does a lot of work in this area and you can look up a lot of stuff on vulnerability that she puts out um but you can't just be vulnerable with everybody it has to be safe people um it has to be people that you know you trust and know will uplift you uphold you see you through that process um you you just don't want to be vulnerable with every single person or even especially the people you lead Yeah. you know, not that you can't and you can't develop that. I know I've developed that with a lot of people here. I'm able to be vulnerable with almost everyone that's on staff and that, that works closely with me. Um, but you do have to be careful. So living in that tension, when to be vulnerable, when to not, when to just be transparent. Um, that's what you have to live in as a leader.
0: That's really good. Figuring and, that out. And th- I just watched a documentary this past weekend called the work. It's about people that go into, uh, prisons where people are on death row and they spend four days and it's very emotional and they're dealing with traumas and it's really interesting if if you're interested in that you, uh, you should go watch that but the seven tensions of leadership again were excellence versus development focused versus flexible growth versus grace specifics versus styles persistence versus patience tactical versus strategical and vulnerability versus transparency and we'd like to know either in the comments below when this gets posted or email us or text us is what's a tension that we missed. What's a tension you live in, in leadership. We are very curious about the tensions you live in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So please take us up on that. We would love to hear another tension that you live in as a leader and who knows, maybe we'll make a podcast on just that one down the road, but we want to hear how this episode has um, has really either blessed you or challenged you, uh, let us know that as well. Reach out to us, Shanik or Corey at hillcity.tv. You can email us, uh, or put it in the comments when it's posted on socials. Um, we want to hear from you and just know with that you are loved and there's nothing you can do about it.